The following is a special presentation of the Buccaneers Sports Network. This is the Jay and Keith Show. Two broadcasters, two microphones, and one meticulously scripted podcast. You what? Just kidding. Get it, J.K.? You get it. That's what I thought was so funny. It's not funny. Alongside Keith Brake, here's the voice of the Bucks, Jay Sandoz. It's a Wednesday. I'm pod, Jay. Pod, He's pod. Keith. We're talking uh, portals. We're talking Past. baseball. We're talking pod, pod, pod. hot days. Podcast. Rockies. Sure. Mountains. Talk, well, yeah. Something. A lot of things. Yes. It's been a while. How you been, buddy? Uh, I'm good, man. How are you feeling? You you just got Under over the, the flu. Yeah. Mid-May flu. Who knew? Who knew? Who Mid-May knew? flu. Well, I have uh, real bad seasonal allergies, so I kind of deal with the same thing. Benadryl just knocks me out. Yeah, I did the uh, one twin, had it last weekend. The other one got it mid-last mid, mm-hmm. mid last week, and then I got it the uh, last, I guess two weekends ago. Last weekend's when I got it. it was yeah. previous weekend. Whatever. You know what I mean. Love what day that. is it? Who, who am I? Who are uh, you? What are we talking about? It's Wednesday. Um, yeah. You're Jay. Do I have to be? Uh, no, I can Ooh, be Jay. Yeah. I, I I can be the voice of the box. Yeah, for but I don't a day. think I can yell and pound the table and things that you do. You cannot. Yeah, I can. you'll you just scare people. Like me, I'm like, yeah, he's right. He's got a point. You're just terrifying. Because you because you, you do it you do it army style. That's the thing. <laughs> Where people don't know if they're, if they're you're yelling at them or you're yelling at a situation. I think I think also every once in a while when I get uh, really excitable, sometimes I hit that high pitch. Uh, you do prepubescent uh, kind of noise where you don't you, shriek. So just call it a shriek. We what could do is. that. The banshee shriek. Yeah. The banshee. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. All right. Uh, let's see. We got special guests later. Uh, we do. Uh, ETSU baseball first baseman Cameron Cisneros, D1 baseball, named him one of the top 30 first basemen in the country last week. And he has hit seven home runs in his last seven games, including three, which ties the school's single game record in the finale against Oklahoma State. Bucks play UNCG starting Thursday in the final series of the regular yeah, season. Yeah, important note, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, because the conference tournament is the following weekend, and it is a huge weekend for baseball. But it is the same start times as it would be on a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It's 5-2-1. and one. So Friday afternoon matinee, let's go. Friday, Friday, a little businessman special, yeah. Yeah, do I need an excuse to go watch college baseball during the day? No. No. No, we no we, none of us do. None of us do. And if you see any of our students out there doing the, the, some of the guys are doing some mock broadcasts this weekend, uh, since those games are not part of our TV schedule and we obviously don't have them on the radio because we don't do baseball on the radio anymore. Uh, say hey to our guys. Um, you know, they're they're trying to get some experience and uh, grow and learn. And that's what we do with the Buccaneer Sports Network. It's what it was for me. So I hope it's what it is for them. What it is is what it is, in the words of Randy Savage. Anytime you can quote the Macho Man. Although, I feel like you cheated the quote because you didn't do the voice. What it is, is what it is, yeah. I feel like if you're going to do a Macho Man, I feel like you have to do it in the voice. And you did, so I appreciate that. A million percent. I don't know how to transition from Macho Man to Portal, (laughs) but... I'm going to open up that transfer portal here. Portal Watch. 
All right. Uh, <laughs> I did it start, for you. Y'all know. Are you want to do football or basketball? Um, let's go ahead and knock basketball out of the way because a Buccaneer, well, actually a Buccaneer in football as well has landed somewhere, but a Buccaneer in basketball has landed somewhere. Um, and uh, we have our first, second, second D1 to D1 transfer because Jordan King is transferring to Richmond. Yep. And now DeAnthony, DeAnthony Tipler. Is it UT Rio Grande? Rio Grande. Rio Grande. In Texas, they say it, Rio Grande. I don't get to say the E. And you can if you want. You can. It's wrong, but you can say it. Well, is, is that going to? Is that stop me? No, it's never stopped before. you a day in your life. I mean, are you going to call these people and tell them that I said the name of the city wrong? No, or the university wrong. No. Okay. We used to say Michael Williams is named Michael Weems, and I was like, who is Michael Weems? Is that a different guy? So no, it won't stop you, nor should it. I mean, it was early when Micah. Now I know what his name is. It's fine. It's fine. But your other people's names too. It's okay. Yeah, but uh, D'Anthony Tipler's there. I will. I. I don't. Honestly, I don't know a lot about um, them. And their do you know basketball. UTRGV's mascot? No. The Vaqueros. Mm, no. No. I would have been off base. I was going to take a guess, but it would have been wrong, so I just uh, didn't say it. So it's okay. Yeah, they're starting football. They are in the – what conference are they in? Southland. Whack. Mm. They are starting football, I believe, for 2024. So there's a football well, program for on the way. Is. Down in Edinburgh, Texas, it is a uh, – It was the UTRGV was formed from a merger of – UT Pan American and UT Brownsville. Now, I did know that because yes. Pan American used to have a uh, – they had a run in basketball not too long ago. Yeah, uh, well, obviously before it became UTRGV, but yes. Um, clearly before it became that. But clearly. Yeah. Okay. Yes, clearly. Uh, but, yeah, uh, Tip is going to go to UTRGV, and, um, you know, I've been on that campus. I've been in that gym. Uh, I can't say that it's – quite as illustrious as ETSU, but I think it's a good place to go compete. And certainly it's a conference where I think you have an opportunity to string some wins together. And if you're, you know, third in that league, you're going to play some postseason ball of some kind. You're not going to play in the NCAA tournament, but you might play in the CBI or maybe even the NIT, depending on how things shake out. So um, it's it's not a bad spot, uh, landing spot for DeAnthony Tipler for his final year of college basketball. And then uh, other news, Rudy Fitzgibbons, the second, I believe, inner Southern Conference or third. Well, second, I was going to count Hoff, but he went to Florida and then went to yep. Chattanooga. But Rudy Fitzgibbons is going to go from the Citadel to mm-hmm. Chattanooga. And so I believe because he has graduated the Citadel, I can't, I'm trying to get a confirmation on that, he would be eligible to play right away yes. and circumvent the rule of the SOCON, which is still the only He was league. there for four years. I can confirm that. And I would assume, but he did not play at all. If you go to Citadel, generally speaking, those guys graduate on time. They do a great job of that. So I would assume yeah. he is graduating, not going to have to sit out, and he would have two years left if my math is right. Because um, he set out a year, right? And then he has a COVID year. I will have to confirm that. But uh, I believe I know he has at least one. Uh, but Rudy Fitzgibbons the third. Uh, so he's a freshman in 1920, then sophomore, junior. Uh, this would be, yeah, red shirt year. So you're right. He would have two seasons left because he played three. He'd have the red shirt and then the COVID year. So Rudy Fitzgibbons goes there. And then uh, you told me today Wofford picked up. Uh, yes, Wofford picked up a commitment from uh, a high school player out of Utah 
who was fairly lightly recruited. And I think we're going to see more of that. You know, ETSU kind of got in on that with Makai Johnson, right? That was something that came together fairly late. I think you're going to see a lot more mid-majors adding high school players uh, later in the recruiting cycle than maybe they normally would because there are more opportunities and there are spots that have to be filled. Quentin Meza, uh, 2023 Cypress High School in Utah. Uh, Quentin Meza has committed to Wofford. Uh, according to Verbal Commits, uh, his Twitter himself says 10,000% committed. Ooh, I like those. Yeah. I'm a huge fan of over 100%. I agree. Yeah. I like the, the Murray Bar too, the 1,000%. I usually go with that. I always like the Canadian one. It's like uh, water boils at 100, so give me 101. Okay. Yeah, because they use Celsius. Water boils at 100 degrees Celsius. Mm. Um, but going back to Fitzgibbons, I think it's interesting that, you know, Dan Earl kind of, I think some people maybe had developed this idea in their heads that he was sort of a one-trick pony and the trick was Jake Stevens. And I feel like Fitzgibbons is a very different player from Stevens uh, as somebody that that maybe fits the system that he wanted to run a little bit more. It was just, hey, we have this phenomenal big man. Let's run our team through the phenomenal big man. Now you have a guard. This was a team that wanted to play, I think, a little bit more tempo, shoot the three a little bit more. Uh, and, and Fitzgibbons is a player that's going to fit that mode and model to the letter be very interested to see uh, how that works out for Chattanooga, um, except when they play ETSU. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. <laughs> as, as always, the caveat of, except when they play ETSU. And um, I like Dan. It, it's one of those, that, you know, it's amazing how you feel about a guy when they go to a certain color jersey, isn't it? <laughs> it is. It can be, yeah. It's not. I mean, we're not quite to Celtic and Rangers level, like old firm level, like putting stuff in people's mail kind of thing. But that that rivalry is fierce. But there have been people that have crossed that line. And uh, it typically doesn't bode well for them. Uh, anyway, uh, also in the portal, uh, we have football to talk about. Okay. Um, some notable players in the Southern Conference have committed. Um, Samford has racked up a couple of commitments on defense in the last few days. Um, Kylan Miller, Linebacker from Coastal Carolina is transferring to Sanford. And so is uh, Jonathan Searcy, a safety grad transfer from Bucknell, who was a captain for the Bison. It is the Bison in Bucknell, uh, or at Bucknell in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. And um, those are two really nice additions to that defensive unit. Uh, Miller is obviously... You know, big, long, athletic outside linebacker. Searcy, 6'2", 200, veteran safety. Uh, they have uh, added a couple of really nice players so to their mix. Samford has gone with, and I've had a couple people confirm this because I had somebody on our staff tell me, and sometimes, you know, you hear stuff, right? You know, Try to double-check stuff, triple-check sometimes. And basically, Samford and Chris Hatcher on the defensive side of the ball pulled all coaches off the road to recruit high school kids. They are no longer recruiting high school kids. Really? They are pretty much 100% going portal at this point. I think On that, defense. I, I like Chris, but I think that's extremely short-sighted. I understand. I mean, in ETSU's instance, I would understand it because ETSU has so many positions that they, they are urgently trying to address. They have addressed... Uh, well, and they've only positions. got one year to, to go off of, which was last year. Right. And then they won, so I'm assuming that he mm. thinks this is the golden formula, and we'll just see, but that's... I think eventually that will backfire on you when uh, the portal starts to thin out. 
in a couple years. But uh, the portal's not thin right now. The portal is flush right now. So I guess you strike while the iron is hot uh, in, in that particular instance. Um, Furman had Ivan Yates in the portal. Uh, Yates, this was a couple weeks ago. Yates has withdrawn his name from the transfer portal. That was kind of the big departure for their defense uh, was somebody that was uh, very useful to them on the back end and uh, will be back in the Furman secondary. Furman has not lost a lot to the transfer portal this year. That team remains flush with talent in every aspect, and and I really feel like Furman and Sanford have positioned themselves to be the top teams uh, in the conference. Uh, Micah Bell, running back from Charlotte, has committed to Mercer, uh, which will be in addition to their backfield. Uh, Still not entirely sure. Who the quarterback's going to be? Is that Peavy's team? Is Did they redshirt him for a reason? Um, I, I would assume that they did. They believe that he can be the starter. And so um, maybe that's his his position to to be in, but I don't know. Um, a couple of outgoing players from the conference. Uh, Nijewan Mansell, offensive lineman from Mercer, has committed to South Carolina. Uh, and Tahir Anor was initially going to Austin P. He has flipped to Tulane as of earlier this week. Honestly, I think he was one of the guys when I saw on the list, uh, especially the Wofford guys, Yes, between him and Michael Mason, uh, the Mm D-tackle, I thought those were the two best players for Wofford that had a shot to go uh, play FBS somewhere. So it doesn't shock me that maybe Tulane had other plans, fell through. He's certainly, I think, capable of playing um, at that level. And so I think that's probably a good get for Tulane and Austin mm-hmm. P who's going to play ETSU. It's probably a good thing for ETSU. Yes. Uh, also on the SoCon outgoings front, wide receiver Solomon Dunn, mm-hmm. formerly of ETSU committed to Tennessee state earlier this week, uh, which will be uh, very interesting. He's going to go play for Eddie George in Nashville. Not really sure what to make of that one since we didn't really see a whole lot of Dunn here. No, and it's, you know, his third school, he started at VMI yep. during COVID, and so he came back home, He's you know, Science Hill product. His dad, mm-hmm. T.R. Dunn, played here at ETSU, and it was, I guess, two years here and didn't see a lot of action. So go somewhere we can try to find action is what I'm guessing. Yes. A uh, number of players that ETSU offered in the transfer portal have committed elsewhere um, that they were, you know, they were ETSU was part of their process at one point. Um, Taj Bullock, quarterback for Virginia Tech, is going to Akron. Uh, Jackson Cannon, O-line Mississippi State, is going to Toledo. That was pretty quick. Uh, Naran Bunton, wide receiver Kent State, is going to Northern Iowa. Blaine Spires, outside linebacker Bowling Green to Utah State. Jamon Harmon, uh, cornerback Kent State to Ball State. Dakar Edwards, D-line Stony Brook, is going to Florida A&M. Tristan Bittner, O-line Marshall, is going to Kent State. And then Christian Lewis, a corner from Albany, is going to Austin P. And, of course, uh, Miller and Searcy as well. Sanford won a head-to-head battle with multiple other SoCon schools, including ETSU, for those two players to uh, be in the fold on defense. Well, it's good to be coming off a championship. That's usually uh, what helps that as well. It does. I it does. So. Yeah. Uh, but ETSU, I, I think part of that is uh, the Bucks have offered a lot of people in the transfer portal. They put out a lot of offers, so you're going to have a lot of offers where people say no thank you. <laughs> exactly. They have flooded the It's just going to be a field. numbers thing. Yeah. It's kind of like when you're in college, you're at the bar, and you're just you're asking everybody out. Or was that just me? I think that was just you. Yeah, well, eventually somebody had to say yes and uh, The did, rest so. of us just used uh, dating websites in the early 2000s, back when those things weren't a complete cesspool. <laughs> early I don't, dating sites, I don't know. Never been on one. <laughs> I was on one for 48 hours, and I found a girlfriend, so. 
Look at you. Yeah. All right. Well, we are no longer together and have not been for some time. Oh, all right. Don't look at you. But well, there you go. Good story. I, I, I don't know if I, where, where that, my takeaway <laughs> from that should be. That was. Uh, I mean, it wor- It did work in the short term. It did. It, it served its purpose. Uh, but it is interesting to me that um, we're seeing a lot of teams go head to head for the same players, even though. The portal still has plenty of talent on the football side. I still feel it's interesting to me that you're seeing a lot of the same schools offering a small-ish number of players in the transfer portal. That's the, the the where the recruiting process seems to have gone. And I think you're seeing that on the basketball side a little bit. You and I were talking about this earlier today. A lot of people... Uh, a lot of schools are offering the bigger guys first. The 6'10s, the 6'8s, the 6'6s, those uh, guys that can play the 5 or the 4. Maybe they're a bigger 3. And the 6-foot guard, the 6'1 guard is hanging out in the portal a little bit longer. Um, and I I don't know if it's quite the same process necessarily where you're looking at a specific set of traits and those traits are the players that are getting all the offers first and then there's going to be a lot of other players that are still very good that are left hanging in the portal until like early June I I don't know what to make of it but it is interesting to me to see a lot of people going head to head with each other in the portal when it feels like there's enough room for everybody to get more or less what they need and I think there are probably a couple, you know, anytime a quarterback goes in, right, it's just going to be – For a, sure. If there's a of-need quarterback, they're going to be, you know, inundated with stuff. Probably depending on what school you're at, offense, defensive line, because, again, it's tough to find six, five, three hundred, 320-pounders that can move. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's just – there's not that many out there. So there probably is a pecking order somewhat, and then following through. But football, I would assume, is probably still – um, need based as far you know if they don't need a line they're not going there then they go dress whatever so I think it's a little it's a little bit but my guess is if you overall you look the linemen and the quarterbacks are in the portal less time than probably a majority of the skill position mm-hmm. again the six foot the six ones the five nines the whatever it is there's more of those guys to go around so there's probably still an opportunity for, and there is for Alaska's because there's still so many guys in the portal. There's still so many slots, and as those slots fill up, then eventually the FBS is actually Power Fives are getting first choice. Then the FBS is, and we're seeing this in basketball too, for sure. For and sure. then you're starting to see a trickle down where people are starting to hit the, ooh, where am I going to go now? And they start calling schools back, and schools are filling up slots. That's when somewhere probably around when summer school kicks in in about three weeks. My guess is uh, by June 1st to June 15th, you're going to see commitment, 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 commitment. Not each – I'm just across the board. You're just going to see people just flying through the commitments because at that point people are trying to get people in summer school. People have waited on these, and I won't say mythical things, but they're certainly waiting. And I don't blame them. You're waiting for the best you can get, right? It's it's yeah. kind of how the cat and mouse game is played. But at some point, you're going to see people start to panic and go. Now, somebody's probably screaming, well, I thought ETSU got somebody big. Again, we can't comment on it. We can't on talk some, about it until, until there is out a there. You can find it. It's out there. Yes. So, 
as we're not talking about ETSU getting things, you can still follow that yourself. There is one get I can tell you about, but it's on the women's basketball side. Yes, uh, Eric Garcia. So he is a new assistant coach for Brenda Mock Brown. So congratulations to Coach Garcia. Yes. Uh, also, shortly, uh, uh, ETSU volleyball coach should be announced. So yes, uh, so keep that's an eye all out we for can that. say about that. But there has been an offer, has mm-hmm. been so far accepted. A couple more HR steps, and we'll be able to talk about it. But it does seem like ETSU volleyball. Uh, we'll have a head coach here. And, and I will say, because um, I have I have reviewed the resume of this individual, um, you would normally think this late in the process there would be, you know, a little bit of unease, uncertainty. I think there always is. Trepidation. Trepidation. Good Look use of trepidation. Golf, golf clap for Sandoz. I don't golf have clap. a I need to get, again, need to get Golf clap for Sandoz. Yeah, well done. Uh, there is definitely a little bit of trepidation when it comes to you know, hiring a coach in mid to late May for a sport that starts its season in August. But um, I think this individual is eminently qualified, very experienced, and uh, is a fantastic get for uh, ETSU volleyball and is going to put some really competitive teams on the floor. All right, so we've handled. Is there anything else you want to handle before we, we, we transition here to a little baseball talk? Um. Oh man, that's a good question. Do you want to talk about the Coyotes at all? No. You don't want to talk about the Arizona Coyotes? Mm-mm. Well, no. Neither does anybody in Arizona. <laughs> the playoffs are dead to me because the Oilers lost. So I don't. I don't really. I was just talking about the Coyotes and their uh, arena referendum that got shot down. Mm. Is it so? so what, what's worse, that or the way the A's have played Oakland to get the deal in Vegas? The are A's. You, you, okay. The A's. Because the A's are asking for public money to build the stadium, and the Coyotes were going to do it all themselves. They just needed approval to like put it on the city agenda and rezone the land. And Tempe's like the the people that there was like a two million dollar spend against the the proposition, and so it got voted down fifty six forty four. Yeah, you're, you're clearly upset about that. Uh, it was disappointing. They're going to play in Arizona State's arena again next year. That came out just a few minutes before we started taping. But um, I think there's going to be some interest in that franchise in Houston, Salt Lake City, and possibly even Atlanta. Who knows? Would like it if Atlanta got a team back. I, th- I was thinking about this the other day. You know, Las Vegas is um, four wins away from their second Western Conference championship in their existence, and they've only been around for, what, like five years, six years? Um, Seattle got to the second round of the playoffs in its first, second season. Um, And I kind of felt salty about it because I'm a Nashville Predators fan, and we had to start from the very bottom, and these teams more started from the upper middle than the bottom because of the expansion rules. And then I realized... It's not Vegas's fault. Vegas wasn't handed a favorable hand. Nashville got screwed by the NHL. And Atlanta got screwed. And Columbus got screwed. And Minnesota got screwed. Like, what if those teams got what Vegas and Seattle got in terms of the expansion draft? Would we need to talk about a team relocating to Atlanta? The Thrashers would still be there. Because if you're a hit right out of the gate, you build more fan loyalty. And it just makes sense to do it that way and now i want every league to do it that way expansion team should always be competitive instantly 
I agree with that. The football, if you remember Jacksonville and mm-hmm. I believe it was Carolina, both their second years of existence were in the uh, AFC and NFC championship games. Then they yes. kind of fell off, and then Carolina eventually got to a Super Bowl a couple times. But Jacksonville still looking for the elusive Super Bowl. Trip. Jacksonville is still, yes, they are still looking for that Super Bowl. They thought they had it with Blake Bortles. They thought they were going to beat Tom Brady with Blake Bortles. And had they done it, how would you have felt about that? Because they almost did it. Yeah, I, I was never worried. It's one of the few things in life that uh, can't explain it. Um, yeah. As teams I pull for, uh, oh, I'll put it this way. That here's a good good example. So, as a Cubs fan, right? As no matter what happens, I'm pretty sure they're going to lose. Yeah, just one of those things. I don't care if they're up 22 runs. It doesn't matter. Like, it's one of those things. And with the Patriots, especially when Brady was there, like, I just always, where are they going to win? Like, it's just, I'm dead set. It's kind of like, no matter what, I feel like ETSU basketball is going to fall out of bed and be the third top three team in the league and, you know, go to the tournament every three or four years. And I kind of feel that way. And football makes me nervous all the time because the 80 eight year whatever it is now 89 year history of football kind of says like yeah, it's a little dicey have a couple years here but it's generally a hmm. six and five five and six or worse so I, I it's one of the funny things even after you know even talking to coach Sanders he's like man you just you're always kind of negative I was like buddy I said that I just <laughs> if it's basketball it's funny I, I just they're going to be great I just live in that world of football I'm always kind of one of these things now I hope it changes and I don't feel that way but that's sort of I, I can't explain it, but with uh, Tom and the Patriots, it didn't really matter. I just kind of felt like, yeah, they're gonna win. So I just wanted things. to, I just wanted to say Blake Bortles on the podcast. So get my Jason Mendoza on Bortles. Yeah, here's the other question. You know that show? No, The Good Place. Um, you should watch The Good Place. Yeah, I've not. Seen I think good I think you would like it. It's very good. It's very bingeable. Um, Ted Danson is I'm hilarious. Not, I'm not sure what you called me there, but uh, uh, you know what? Blake Bortles probably is not done. And I don't know this for a fact. Hit a home run in a f- football game? I was going to say three of them. but oh, He definitely hasn't hit three. He might have hit three in a high school baseball game once upon a time. He didn't play any other. Well, I don't know if he played baseball in high school, actually. Come to think of it. I don't know. You, I was... you want to talk to Cameron Cisneros? I, I do. I, I kind of went around the world there, but I didn't really have a point. Okay. Let's talk to Cameron Cisneros. Boy, it's getting hot out there. It is. It is. It's boiling out there. It is uh, great baseball weather. It is great baseball weather. And, and golf weather. And the, like baseball, baseball. and the baseball team's getting going. The beans are boiling, as Nate Tate said <laughs> when he was in here. And uh, we got we got some more. Uh, a, a guy who can can hit the bean a long way. Is is he is he cooking? He is he's he is cooking. He is he's simmering with the bat in his hand right now. Uh, has been hitting a ton of home runs. Uh, is up to was it fourteen? So far, yeah, 14 this season, which would lead nine of the last 10 ETSU baseball teams. And we still got some games left for Cameron Cisneros, the junior first baseman for ETSU, who is with us here in studio on the Jay and Keith show. Says it's great to see you, man. Uh, we were talking this. This is kind of the uh, this is kind of the time where you get a little recovery in, almost like a, like a little mental recovery. Get some pool time. You get some chill out time uh, in between your your work in the cages, your work in the weight room. 
Uh, how, how's, how does this time of year feel for you as a, as a college ball player to, uh, to get a chance to unwind before you go into the big push of the conference tournament? Yeah, for sure. First of all, I just want to say thank you for having me on. Um, yeah, it's nice to just be able to relax with your teammates um, after practice throughout the day. Not having to worry about classes <laughs> gives you definitely a mental break. It's just one less thing on your plate that you have to worry about. Um, so, yeah, getting down to the tournament and having all this downtime is is very good for the body, especially since it's getting towards the end of the season and everybody's getting sore and tired. So the off time is super beneficial at a point in time in this in the season for sure. Is it the same in Juco ball? Do you get the same kind of downtime at the end of the semester after the semester's over while you're still competing? Yeah, I would say it's more of like the same thing with Juco. Um, once the classes are done, it's more of just you're there to play baseball and not worry about anything else and try to win the last games, which are important because they're the conference games and they mean a lot. And this is what we've been working through uh, towards, I should say, the entire season. So, yeah. Junior college baseball is uh, unique in, in the sense that um, it, it's it's something that has a really strong brotherhood, maybe more than any other junior college sport where a lot of cases it's trying to get out, get your associate's degree, go somewhere else. I feel like baseball has a little bit more of a sense of community about a team in, in Juco ball. What was your experience like at Lamar, and how do you think that prepared you to uh, fit yourself into a Division One clubhouse? My experience at um, Juco was fantastic. I went to a junior college um, called Lamar Community College yep. in Lamar, Colorado. Um, basically, their um, philosophy is they keep, they want you to stay there for two years, so they don't try to recruit you your freshman year. Um, they want you like to build you for two years and develop you more than for just one year. Um, it is a, Juco is a very unique um, experience because there's no like time limit. On practices so you could be out there of all hours of the day I actually just heard a, a pro player I forget who it was but he was talking about his experience at Juco and he was just like d1 you practice for your time limit and then you're done and at Juco you practice until you get it right so it's just kind of it's a grind but you embrace it um, I went to a school where there was 7,000 people in the town with absolutely nothing to do so you really really get close with all your teammates and it's it's a it was a phenomenal experience. I wouldn't have changed it. So take me through. Jay loves to do this. Take me through your journey uh, in in college baseball. How did you go to or end up going to Lamar? Uh, and what brought you from Lamar to Johnson City, Tennessee? I wasn't a very highly recruited kid out of Colorado. Um, Lamar was my only offer. I was talking to other schools, but I decided very early that I was going to go there because I went on the visit and loved it. Um, so I went there for two years. And then I played pretty well, um, put up the numbers to where I think I could go to a Division One school. It was getting kind of late. It was like probably mid-July, and I still hadn't found a school. And I reached out to one of my high school coaches, and he was actually down in Georgia for like a high school tournament. And he hooked up with Panucci, and so they started talking and about how they needed a first baseman, a left-handed hitter, and it kind of just all worked out very well. Panucci is a classic baseball guy, in my opinion. Like he's somebody that has um, some very unique tastes. He's a big metal guy, big rock music guy. Um, he, he he quizzes you on that from time <laughs> to time, with that sort of thing. Just has a, has that classic uh, baseball uh, um, mindset personality uh, to me. What was your first impression of your head coach, and and what do you what connected you to Joe Panucci? 
I would say that him also being from Colorado, we kind of had that early connection. He would always tease me about like being homesick and whatnot, and always say how I'm, we're both representing the state of Colorado together, and not to let him down. So we <laughs> we kind of had a unique uh, relationship early on, and I'm thankful for that relationship with him. Just touching on the Colorado thing, uh, when people talk about mountains here, do you do you scoff a little bit? Do you laugh? How, how do you how do you handle that? It's it is kind of a funny uh, topic because it, they're more like hills out here. Like mm-hmm. back home, they're mountains, mountains. Like they quadruple the size of the mountains here. So yeah, it, it's a completely different ball game out there with mountains. It, it is it is a little bit, but the, I mean the difference is that we live on ours. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we we live on ours. Like you go out in the you go out uh, you know on the on the plains of Colorado, or the foothills of Colorado, you won't find much except wolves and maybe a, the occasional moose. But like, over here, like you'll find people, and they're usually not very happy to see you out in the woods. It's a it's it's a very different culture. Do you like having a place that's similar enough to feel similar, but different enough to feel different? I guess is the way I'd put it. Yeah, I've enjoyed my time out here for sure. Um, the weather is great, and, and the range is maybe a little bit too much, but it's definitely not as cold. Uh, it was an easy transition. Um, we're based, we're at the base of the Appalachian Mountains here, and I basically live in the Rocky Mountains. So, I mean, it's not too, too different. Mm-hmm. So did you go skiing, snowboarding a lot as a kid? As growing up as a kid, I did, like, every weekend until probably sophomore, junior high school, and then I realized I'm, I can't get hurt, so I kind of – eased off on the skiing and snowboarding for a while and I'll that's probably something I'll pick up later on in life that's why I gave it up too <laughs> what did what was the worst you ever uh beefed or hurt yourself on a slope uh not luckily nothing too serious at all uh, I, I'm not a very like rambunctious skier I kind of just take it easy and take my time and do my thing you, you ski for the enjoyment of it and not for the adrenaline rush. <laughs> exactly <laughs> <laughs> uh well I think I think I can relate to that so um, what informed your approach to baseball? I mean, you're obviously, you're a power guy, you're a bigger guy, you know, you know, and you've, you've invested a lot of time in adding strength and that has shown, uh, in the way you play baseball. But, um, what drew you to first base? What drew you to power baseball? I would just say, I mean, I'm obviously a bigger frame, so it kind of just happened to be that way. Um, my entire family, like all the boys in my family got size on them and are pretty strong so it just kind of happened to be that way I mean it's a hard question to answer Um, so let me ask you this uh, because I see the flow and the stash (laughs) and my my immediate thought is Larry Walker Uh, did did that impact it like did you ever draw those comparisons like yeah I want to be like Larry Walker I want to be the Canadian clubber <laughs> like how, how important is a guy like that the the young players you watched with the Rockies uh the players you watched with the Rockies as a young guy uh growing up how important were they to you and the you think the way you play the game they made me fall in love with the game I mean growing up uh growing up we had me and my dad we shared season tickets with another family so I was always at the field and my idol growing up was actually Todd Helton. Okay. Because he played there first base, and I would always wear 17 after him. So he he has been my favorite player and always will be for sure. So any idea where he grew up? Tennessee. I know he went to UT. Morristown. He actually yeah. grew up about an hour away from here. Interesting. So yeah. And there's not much to do in Morristown except <laughs> swing the stick. Yeah. So or it's play like, quarterback. He was yeah, it's not, it's not that different from uh, from where you played Chico <laughs> yeah. Ball. Yeah. Did you? He did play quarterback. Did you ever play football? I did play football. 
I did play football all throughout grade school, and then I did freshman year of high school, and then I decided that it's time to just worry about one sport. Yeah, defensive end? I did play defensive end, and then believe it or not, in the grade school, I did play quarterback as well. There you go. So truly taught him. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. Hey, hey, take it where you can get it, right? Take it where you can get it. All right, so left-handed hitting, long balls, right? Chicks dig long balls. Uh, ETSU's had great success uh, with home run hitters. How well do you know the history of ETSU and a college home run derby? I do not know it very well at all, to be honest with you. ETSU, I believe, is the only school that has won – has two winners. ETSU had the first ever, which was Paul, Paul Hoyleman, Hoyleman, and then Hagen Owenby was uh, the right. second winner. Yeah. And so those the only we're the only school that has had two. So if you get a shot uh, <laughs> to go there, I'm just saying you got uh, uh, obviously when ETSU has a guy that that has hit home runs and can get up there. I would like to think that we have enough notoriety as a home run hitting school that maybe we'd get your shot. Now I just say that to really get to this, you got a chance to play at Oklahoma State. I know when you. It's always a big deal. Whenever I used to do the baseball games before Keith, that when I would go on the road and we'd go to Oregon or Arizona and all that, just the guys to be in that type of environment. What was it like, first of all, to go to that type of environment to experience that, and then two, to hit a couple of bombs while you were there? It was an unbelievable experience. The atmosphere was second to none. Um, their facilities are out of this world and I just think it was a really good opportunity for us to see that kind of competition and especially for the hitters on the hitting side I think we we held our own I really I'm proud of our guys for the way we hit um, against arms like that I mean by far the best arms we've seen the entire year and I think we did what we needed to do I think it helped us grow um, for like the rest of the season we played Asheville the following Tuesday and absolutely lit the ball up across the field and I think that's what you're going to see this weekend too um I'm excited for sure when you hit that third home run in a game against Oklahoma State does it kind of sink in what you're doing in that moment (laughs) not really honestly I I was speechless the entire day I I couldn't sleep the next night like I was I was definitely I was on cloud nine, for yeah. sure. What's working for you so well right now? You've hit seven home runs in seven games. That's that's nuts. <laughs> I think it just all boils down to like just trusting your approach. Um, we get great great scouting meetings. We have um, great resources like Synergy, where you can go watch who you're about to see and just try to pick up on their tendencies. And it just boils down to you're waiting for your pitch and not missing mistakes. Because at this level, stuff's good. So, like, you're only going to get so many opportunities, and it's very, very important to take advantage of them when you get them. D1 Baseball just named you one of the top 31st basemen in the country. What, what does that mean to you to get that kind of recognition? It's not what you play for, but when it comes, it's pretty cool. Yeah. It's, it's nice to finally get some recognition. I just feel like I'm one of those kids, especially being from Colorado, that's just kind of gotten overlooked um, as a baseball player. And I, I'd say it's kind of nice to finally get some recognition for, like, the hard work I've put in and the hours I've spent on my craft. And it's just – it's cool to see that it's finally all starting to pay off. Do you think this team is flying under the radar a little bit? Are you peaking at the end of the season and maybe getting a chance to build some momentum going into the tournament? I agree. I mean, all the other teams should watch out because I think we're we're getting hot. We keep doing the right things. Practices are good. The intent's there. Everybody's focused. Everybody wants to be there. And I really think we have a very, very good opportunity to win this tournament, especially if we take care of business this weekend. 
secure that four seed and not have to worry about the playing game. And then we got Tate. We'll throw that first game, and he's been lights out this year, and I trust him like no other. So I, I think we have a very, very good opportunity to make a run. Is this a team that has maybe had to work through some stuff I mean, obviously, on the field, you know, you had some some rough stretches there. Uh, I think the Seton Hall series maybe uh, could, it could have been a one or two things that could have gone a little bit better. Sanford, obviously, you, you don't want to give up that many runs, and you'd like to be a little bit more on the board. But you, know, if you come back and you win the Sunday game. Um, is, is this a group that's had to maybe work through some choppy waters and, and become a more resilient group over the course of the year? We've had a battle the out, um, throughout the entire year. We've had some pretty rough games, and then I feel like the next day we bounce back and do exactly what we need to do. <coughs> it's been an interesting season. We've had our ups and we've had our downs for sure, and I just I think we're peaking at the right time, um, especially with the tournament coming up ex- mm-hmm. when <laughs> when it actually matters. Not saying the rest of the season doesn't, but do you kind of have? Do you almost have to go through that, especially when you got so many guys? I mean, there are some. There's several guys that are new faces here. I mean, you're you're new here. Uh, Emner's new here. There's a couple guys that are you know from from other places that have come in here to try to to make things work. Do you almost have to get punched in the face a little bit and get back up to to really know what you are as a team? Uh, yeah, I would say that facing adversity, it's good for a team. I mean, if you're always just riding highs and never experience any lows, when those lows come, you're you're not going to know how to react to them. And I think. Our coaches have done a good job preparing us um, and showing us how to overcome stuff like that and not let it affect you. And baseball is a very, very hard game. Anyone can win at any point. It doesn't matter who's playing. And it's just important to to do one step at a time. And you gotta just let. If you gotta, if you have a bad game, you gotta just let it go because there's always another one the next day. And you can't. You can't stress about the past, and you just got to worry about the present. And if you get caught, caught <laughs> lacking, it's gonna—it's just gonna go in a downward, downward spiral. Who has the best arm on the infield? You caught all three of them, so well, actually, well, I guess it's more like four or five of them. But uh, I might have to give it to the freshman, Cody Miller. Yeah. Or Ashton. It's close between them two. It's about the guy that makes you do the splits. The least. yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, here's another question: Which one throws like the the slider at you, or the two seamer yeah. runs away from you? Yeah. There's always a guy in the infield, and I love talking first base about that. That they're like, you know, even though he throws it, it's always moving. It's not like right at me. He's got a little something on the ball. Yeah, that's also Cody Miller. You can expect him to cut the ball for sure. I always just set up to the right because I know it's going to the right every time. <laughs> Yeah, it does. It almost prepares you to play catcher in a pitch. <laughs> yeah. Which it sounds like there there was a couple times where you, you might have needed to throw on some pads because you guys were a little short-handed back there. But uh, that just kind of feeds back into the, the adversity that, that we're talking about. What what do you like most about playing first base defensively? I mean, what what's more fun? Is it finishing off a double play, picking off a guy? What, what do you really like doing at, at playing at first base? I like being able to pick balls especially when your infield makes a great play and it's like relies on you to pick them up um to get the out i feel like that's my favorite part of playing the position it's more of like one of those positions i feel like they stick people at because they can hit well Mm -hmm. um i've been playing it my entire life so i'm kind of used to it at this point and yeah i would say picking balls is my favorite part of first wasn't the wofford game we were at where he had the double play 
right? I think so, yeah. Right, they're right. And then, no, yeah, only assisted double play. Yeah. <laughs> right, only time I think I've seen this. So you had the unassisted double play, and then I believe the umpire warned you about something. I don't know what you yeah. said or what yeah. you did, <laughs> but I, I was sitting there with my twin boys, and I was like, "Oh, and they were like, oh, dad, look at that play." They're like, "Oh, I think he got in trouble." <laughs> yeah. I said he might have. You know, might be a little too excited. Yeah. You know, maybe, maybe you said something or two there, but anyways, uh, don't want to take away from the impressive play. But I said I don't think I've seen that before. Like, I, I can't repeat yeah. what I said. It's not appropriate for children. So, um, yeah, that, that was that was something, man. What what was that? I mean, you're just kind of pure adrenaline, right? It's just how do you keep your head on straight to go back and double a guy off in a situation like that? I think it's just kind of like second nature. I mean, like. When a ball's hit 110 miles an hour right at you, <laughs> and there's a dude on first, all you're thinking about is stepping on first to get the double play. It's just kind of second nature. You don't really think about it. You just kind of do it. Yeah. What What did you, uh, if you can repeat it, what did you get in trouble for with the umpire? It was so. It was because the the play before um, they called him safe at first when we like had him out by like three steps. We went back and watched the oh, video, yeah. and it was just a brutal call. And then I I. Tagged for first the second time on the double play, and I go, I think he's out that time. It was nothing serious, really. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I would. They probably don't appreciate that. They'd be no, yeah. I imagine they would. They would take kindly to that. Uh, yeah, that that's funny, but I, I don't think they would take. It. Nah. I got my warning, and then I showed up after that. So yeah, yeah. which is how the game is supposed to work. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Right. You said something, and. Although it was a little funny, maybe slightly disrespectful, <laughs> wasn't out of control, right? Yeah. Wasn't out of control. No cuss then, words or anything. Right. And they gave, and what personal. You yeah. didn't say you. Didn't <laughs> yeah. Know. But you got that. And then, you know, he got, he probably somewhere kind of nodded. You know, a fair point. You said it. You did it in the right way. You know, this, that, and other. Don't do it again. <laughs> exactly. And you got to yeah. be careful because at some point, you know, he's going to call balls and strikes, right? <laughs> exactly. You can't, you, can't, you can't get out of control. Yeah, you don't want to get on their bad side. Yeah. I was going to say, have you ever heard a heckle that made an umpire laugh? I have actually, it, yeah. not from players. They won't laugh at those, but right. they'll laugh from like the stands or something. Okay. Yeah. What, like, what's the What's the best one you've heard? Oh, I'm trying to think. My dad's kind of got a loud mouth sometimes when, <laughs> when when calls aren't going our way. He 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 was freaking out about those calls that were being made. So okay. I don't know if I should repeat exactly what he said, but it it definitely made me chuckle a little bit. Yeah, uh, th th those are the ones where <laughs> I, I always wonder how much of that from the stands people actually hear clearly on the field i would say not that much but at our home field like the the line is kind of like right next to first base so you can you can hear the people pretty well yeah. from the stands yeah. have you uh have you seen the the left field lounge we like to call it it's technically not on the stadium property but a bunch of people like to hang out in left field and uh hang out on the tailgates of their truck and taking a ball game yeah that's cool it's cool to see all the frats and sororities come out and support us for sure and they give the opposing team some heckling in the bullpen, which is kind of funny sometimes. Well, let me backtrack. To, you just asked about being heckled. Has anyone heckled you that made you chuckle? Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Oh, all the time. I think it's the funniest thing ever. They try to, like, get in your head, and all you can do is laugh. I mean, they're chirping you, but at the end of the day, they're there to watch you play. So, like, you kind of just got to laugh at it and not let it affect you. Yeah. At some point you just kind of tip your cats because I mean, there are people that'll like Google you. Oh yeah. And go like do research. And it's like, man, you did your homework. Well, <laughs> that's kind of why I don't post on social media. Cause I don't want them finding out about my personal life. <laughs> that is entirely reasonable. Yeah. As a, as 
former minor league broadcaster, I used to enjoy when I would go on the road that the uh, in minor league baseball, can't do this college baseball. Minor league baseball, they would put up you know your like your three worst stats. Like if you're over your last twelve, <laughs> so I would yeah. appreciate the trolling even of even if guys did try to protect themselves and be like I didn't do anything. Like, oh my god, yeah. you haven't got a hit in a night game in three weeks or something. Like, just yeah. be out of control what they find. But uh, uh, what what would uh, <laughs> I was gonna say? What what stats would you not want on the scoreboard for you? Um, stolen bases. Uh, <laughs> Aren't you like one for two or something? I think I got like three stolen bases or something. Well, I might what, be like, what's your time down to first? What if, what if they uh, that? Probably like uh, oh, I think probably like a four nine, four eight. What what if they embellished and they put a six five or something? On the <laughs> you are you are three for three on stolen bases this year. I'll have you know. Uh, That's like yeah, he's like he doesn't he's not the fastest guy on the team, but he runs the bases well. <laughs> you know what, they could put in all my stats up there. Honestly, I'm not I'm not too worried about any of them. <laughs> <laughs> That's the right answer. That's the right answer. Uh, we're kind of coming to the end here with Cameron Cisneros, um, sis, UNCG. Real quick, what do you know about them, and uh, how excited are you guys to be playing this uh, this big series this late in the year at home? <laughs> It's very, very exciting because it's right in front of us. This is exactly what we've been talking about all year. It's in our control. We don't have to hope for other teams to lose. And basically, if we play our game and force them to beat us, I just I don't see that happening. Um, they have a couple good hitters. Oh, what's it? We went over a couple today that can swing it pretty well. Um, tomorrow we'll have our scout meeting with their uh, get uh, um, for their staff. Um, mm-hmm. They're, they score like six runs a game, I think, is what they average, which is towards the bottom of the SoCon. I know we're like pretty much the same with them in standings. So I think we we can take care of them. We play our game. Honestly, I feel like if we play our game, make other teams beat us, and play fundamentally sound baseball, I think we any we can beat any team in the SoCon for sure. No. Just get out of the weekend with more home runs than Jones and Jonas, and you're doing great. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> All right, man. Well, uh, we appreciate you being in. Uh, thanks so much. And uh, really great to sit down and talk with you. Um, excited to see what you do with the last couple weeks of the season. And uh, go box. Yeah, good luck. Perfect. Thank you guys so much for having me. I appreciate it. All right. Good show. I agree. Good to get back on the horse. Todd Helton. Todd Helton reference. How about I, that? Well, I was I thought about asking him that, and I thought, ah, it's probably not going to work out to be – because to me that was a perfect kind of – And then I brought up Larry Walker, and so you let me just trip over myself before he, he was like, actually, Todd Helton. Well, and I'll, then you stepped in. Right. You know, you know, Larry being the outfielder, you know, and Todd yeah. being a first. Uh, but still, I was like, I, yeah, that's, that's known as, hitter. That's known as the uh, reverse Sandos. Right you there. know, Larry's a little chubbier than Todd, so I thought maybe, you know, one of those guys. I like chubby sure. players more than skinny players. I wonder why. I like my favorite is uh, chubby kickers. That's the, my favorite position of all time. There's Big chubby kickers or just a fat kicker. I love them. I don't know why. That that and the middle infielders that are small. I love those. All right, Jane Keith, Buckers Sports Network. I got nothing. Oh, you gotta be kidding me!